Fire cooks our food, powers our car's engines, lights our darkness, and warms our homes. He brings the Holy Spirit and fire, John the Baptist proclaims in our text today. Jesus comes bringing the fire and spirit, which energizes and warms our faith, fellowship, and service. He baptizes us with the fire and spirit, with which he is baptized in this reading. That spirit and fire brings him to cross an empty tomb. Where will it bring us now that he has poured it out on us? Welcome to the Sand Hills Lutheran Ministry Podcast. I am Pastor John Edding. The theme of this sermon on the Sunday in the church here known as the Baptism of Our Lord is He Brings Spirit and Fire. This is a sermon on Luke chapter 3, verses 15 through 22. Thanks be to God. Let's get to the sermon. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So we are launching a sermon series this week. This is the season of Epiphany. We stand between the great festivals of Incarnation and Resurrection, Christmas and Easter. And we are using the idea of unwrapping a gift. Jesus, of course, is the gift to us. And given at Christmas and Epiphany is when we get to unwrap it slowly marveling at each facet of this gem, this gift. But this series is looking forward as well. It's looking ahead toward the fulfillment of God's promises in Holy Week and in Easter. We've already seen the presentation of Jesus as a gift at the temple two weeks ago in our reading, our gospel reading, where the the infant, the child, Jesus is placed into the arms of Simeon, who then marvels that he has seen the salvation of God and his redemption, and he sings about the redemption of God has been fulfilled for him and for for all of us. And then last Sunday we saw the 12-year-old Jesus verbally sparring with the the teachers of the Torah uh, in Jerusalem. This series, though, however, will look at what does this gift mean for us? In the Christmas event, God wrapped Christ into humanity so well that we could have missed it. We would have missed it entirely. He went so deeply undercover that our human senses would have entirely missed the significance of who he is or what he has done. So we need epiphany to unwrap the present, to peel back some of the this incarnational wrapping for us so that we can see the true nature of Jesus and his character of this Jesus of Nazareth upon whom the text tells us today the Spirit of God has descended and whom God has declared to be his Son. But as I was reading and preparing for today, as reading through the Gospel text, I wondered what is up with the fire in our text. And is fire stand in for judgment or is it all about empowerment? So let us examine this metaphorical world of fire. 
in three steps. First, by, let's look at just think about the world of fire. And then secondly, let's focus on Jesus's gift of spirit and fire. And then finally, let's see this text as an invitation to see how, how does the Lord Jesus warm and set aflame your heart and my heart through baptism. So the world of fire. As we all know, fire can be both constructive and destructive. Fire has its benefits, but it also can be destructive. And fire as destructive, well, we take precautions, do we not, about fire? We we take caution on red flag days. We support or even volunteer for our fire department, local fire department. We clear away the brush surrounding our buildings. But still, tragedy can strike, such as last August, the Dixie Fire that destroyed this old mining town of Greenville, California. Um, and Lutheran, First Lutheran Church, and by the way, I served them as, for five years as their circuit visitor, pastor, they lost their building in that fire. Or most recently, the December 30th Marshall Fire, which damaged, if you've seen the video, it's just amazing, um, and that left uh, damaged or destroyed more than a thousand homes or businesses in Superior, Louisville, and Boulder County amid these hurricane force winds and extreme drought conditions. Fire also can be a gift. During the past week of sub-zero temperatures, I would walk, go out walking, and very briefly, I would add. And as I was walking, I smelled the, the, the smoke from many wood fires, keeping households warm. You know, fires... Fire cooks our food, it powers our car engines, it lights our darkness, and it warms our homes. And uh, I got this from the Association of American Railroads, August 2021 uh, fact sheet. And it says that uh, on this fact sheet, U.S. railroads, like the railroad that runs past you know, the town of here of, of, uh, of Bingham, this uh, U.S. railroads moved 3 million carloads of coal with each rail car carrying enough coal to power 19 homes for a year. So what does that make that train that just passed us? Uh, um, 100 cars, right? <laughs> so 1,900 homes um, <coughs> being powered. So it's fire. It's fire that fuels our engines and, and the rockets that blast into space. It's, it is oxidation, um, which is a fire of another sort, which empowers the movements of our physical bodies. Fire often is used in literature to cleanse things. Metal that is refined is not, that, that is refined is not destroyed in the fire, but is improved. And then finally... Fire brings simple empowerment, an internal combustion engine that makes my car go. Right? It's, fire produces that kinetic energy. 
So we are now looking at Jesus's gift of spirit and fire. We've got to ponder these words of from the Gospel of Luke, and we wonder what is up with the fire. Is it judgment or is it empowerment? Well, the text seems to lean toward judgment. John sees judgment and destruction. Verse 16, John answered them all, saying, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire, and his winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Well, Perhaps John sees judgment and destruction, but he also points out some things here. Uh, first of all, the, the wheat remains in the barn. It doesn't burn up. Um, and then that uh, expression that Jesus will baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire, I would say perhaps John is speaking about both things, benefits, constructive and destructive about the fire here. So Jesus comes to judge and destroy sin, but he also comes to save sinners. And this, this should not surprise us, right? Uh, we just read in the Psalm, Psalm 29, the voice of the Lord flashed forth flames of fire, perhaps an allusion to Mount Sinai, the giving of the law. The writer of Hebrews writes that God is a consuming fire, but while the chaff is burned, the wheat is saved. Isaiah in our Old Testament reading writes that God says, fear not to his redeemed people because he is with them. He's with us. And when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned and the flames will not consume you. So there is both the fires of judgment and the flame of empowerment here in the text. But which type of the fire prevails, the destructive or the beneficial one in our reading? I'm going to say that the gospel predominates in our reading. And why is that? Well, Luke calls this an exhortation of good news. That's gospel. Verse 18, so with many other exhortations, he preached good news to the people. That's the context. And does Luke want us to see that the Spirit is empowering our Christian lives? Well, we definitely need the Spirit empowering us because we live in a cynical world. I mean, doesn't Herod just look like someone in today's cynical world? He has flouted every social convention and moral boundary, but he still succeeds. He gets to be king. The good folk, the people who keep the rules, get stomped on. It's an upside-down world until, that is, a man shows up in the line to get baptized by John, and something different happens. The heavens open, the Spirit descends, and a voice is heard, this is God's Son. And this time, something different will happen. Now, this is important. I mean, Herod represents those who come with worldly zeal and authority. And that often does not end well, right? Power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. 
the zealous reformers, the zealous patriots, given authority will often make for such misery. And we know from the same gospel, according to Luke, that Jesus does not come with the same zeal and authority as these worldly types. Jesus comes with the Holy Spirit, the spirit of the living word, living God. And that means he does not use his power and authority in the same way as the world. He uses it to bless and save. And we are drawn to this phrase that John uses to describe the action of Christ. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. When does Jesus baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire? Jesus did not perform any baptism during his earthly ministry. And if he did, it's not recorded in Luke. And at the baptism of Jesus, he is baptized. But in Luke, Chapter 12, verses 49 through 50, Jesus does speak of the fire to be kindled. Verse 49 of Luke 12, I came to cast fire on the earth, and would that it were already kindled. I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how great is my distress until it is accomplished. So Jesus speaks of fire to be kindled. He hints at the baptism on the cross where God's fiery wrath is laid upon him. Think of the cross, the event of the cross, his death on the cross as Jesus being that lightning rod and all that fiery wrath of God being laid upon him. Jesus has been baptized with the Holy Spirit and he will be baptized with fire on the cross. Jesus undergoes this baptism of fire as the substitute for all, for full and free forgiveness. And finally, on the Christian Pentecost in Acts, the Holy Spirit comes, and what appears on the apostles? Tongues of fire. Tongues of fire rest on the apostles, and all who have been baptized by Jesus' apostles, and all those baptized down through the ages have been united into Christ, his death and life. And this is what Paul is talking about in our epistle reading In Romans 6, we are baptized into the death of Christ and raised to newness of life. So in this, Christ may be said to be the baptizer. Those who are baptized into Christ are baptized with the Spirit and with fire, with which he was baptized. John's baptism cleanses with with water. But Jesus' baptism cleanses with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, if the fire of the Spirit consumes my old sinful self, does that not make the, the new person come forth stronger? So now let's take a look at that third phase of this uh, message, that our hearts are set aflame through baptism. Does Luke want us to see the Spirit empowering our Christian lives? Well, yes. That's a definite yes. How, though, is what we're wondering about. We definitely want to connect this to our baptism because Luke does so. Jesus clearly is shown to have the Spirit. And then John tells us that Jesus baptizes us with the Spirit and fire. So our words and deeds 
since our baptism, are filled with the potential given by the Spirit and the fire of God. Little things like embers blown on the wind can set ablaze big things. The Spirit of God is in control of this. I am not. Jesus receives the Spirit here, and this is the beginning of ministry. Jesus then is impelled by the Spirit through temptation into the broken lives of people. He's serving and forgiving and healing and helping and feeding and so on. So what roles does this Jesus, anointed by the Spirit, declared to have authority as God's Son, play in our lives today? Well, first, he is the authoritative son of God. We listen to his voice. To him, we do not really have a choice about listening, if, if, not if we would be numbered among his disciples. When he tells us to love our enemies, that is not optional. And we need to be empowered to be able to do that. We love them and then do not heap hatred upon them. And when he tells us to proclaim the kingdom of Jesus to this world, We cannot be silent. He has the authority to shape our lives, determine our course, send us on missions, and hold us back. He is the Son of God. But Jesus also has the Spirit of God, and this too is important, and and it's too often neglected by us, by me. Jesus is not stingy with his Spirit. He has freely and fully poured out that Spirit on Pentecost upon all of us. He encountered that, we encountered that spirit in baptism and continuously through word and sacrament and fellowship and word and more. And that spirit now makes us, makes all of our lives different. First, that spirit has kindled within us faith. We can hear the commands of the authoritative Jesus in love. Now, that old man in us would like to rebel against them, but that old man is not all there there is to say about us. The new man, that new person, loves Jesus, trusts him, delights in his commands, but that spirit also gives significance and meaning to our most humblest actions. Give a glass of cool water to a child in Jesus' name, and Jesus says, That was given to God himself. The mundane and the normal actions of our lives now take on a wholly new significance and are replete with spiritual significance. Now, you may think as as well as I do that the problems for congregations, including ours, are so huge and our efforts often seem so small. So we come to church. We have spoken our confirmation vows. We serve on the committees. And we take our turn teaching Sunday school. Perhaps we'll be meeting soon in this month uh, to, together to determine new officers and set budgets. Perhaps our offerings seem like they are never enough and our number may dwindle. Are we fearful that our numbers seem to be in a downward trajectory? Will it crash in a few years? That when we think this way, our But isn't this really looking to the wrong places and expecting answers from the wrong sources? Twelve men with five loaves and two fish fed thousands one day because Jesus blessed those loaves and the Spirit moved them to obey. A one-time 
persecutor of the church, set out to preach the gospel he once persecuted. He was the most unlikely evangelist. But the Spirit was with him in that act of obedience, and God worked great things. I have shared and I have seen a congregation that we were part of that was down to about 12 people. They no longer could afford a pastor, but these people, these 12 faithful, mostly, this is, we were living in in Hawaii at the time, these 12 faithful, mostly women of Japanese-American heritage, prayed and stayed faithful to God's word. Several years later, they called a pastor. And then the time that we joined, that church was worshiping about 250 people on a Sunday. They had adopted a people group in Kyrgyzstan, an unreached people group. They were sending missionaries. They were inspiring men to become pastors. And I include myself as a part of that. And being in this pulpit as a result And they grew from that 12 people to that church planting other churches. The point is that the Holy Spirit, which was poured out on Jesus this day, has been given to us. And that spirit continues to enkindle and inflame the service and the love and gentleness and kindness, which has always been the mark of true Christianity. Through the simple and the small, the regular folk, God works his kingdom here. Jesus has and gives the spirit which the church needs. He lights our fires. He warms our hearts. He empowers our service and he clears the path before us. This is his ministry and he bears those burdens. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.